It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the player props fantasy football expert, Chris Dell. You guys can find him on Twitter as well, at Mad Journalist. You guys can find us at bettingpredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Chris, here we go. NFL Week 12 Money Picks Pod. You and I, uh, we're going to go through... And we're going to do the Thanksgiving Day games first. And we'll get to the main card uh, either Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. We haven't quite figured that out yet with the holiday. But you and I, we're going to go ahead. We're going to break down the three Thanksgiving Day games. Uh, Let's start out here with the Bears and the Lions. Uh, Lions are going to be a home underdog here. They're going to be getting plus three. Uh, This is the blockbuster matchup that everybody asked for. uh, Andy Dalton versus potentially uh, Tim Voyle. Maybe Jared Groff will be back. Uh, but we have a total in this one, Chris, of 41 and a half. Interesting game. You know, the Lions right now winless on a season. And the Bears, I I believe that they're in a dream crusher scenario here, Chris. Uh, I would probably go ahead and take the Lions plus the three. And if I feel like if, if Goff comes back, that maybe this line goes down to uh, Chicago Bears maybe favored by one point. So I'm leaning here right now with the Lions, but I'm a little... A little worried that I might get stuck with somebody like Tim Boyle, but uh, I think we have to, you know, consider the fact, Chris, that like that dude played one game and he's going to improve off of, you know, with, you know, one game under his belt. Uh, The Bears right now, uh, multiple injuries, you know, uh, Justin Fields not there. Uh, Darnell Mooney a little bit banged up. Allen Robinson might not go for this game as well. So uh, we do have some things to consider here, Chris, but I'll go ahead. I'll throw it over to you. What are you looking at right now with the Bears and the Lions? Yeah, this one's tough. Like you said, if Goff plays, I'm very confident that this should be a competitive game. I think the line right now is saying that Goff is going to play. We were just talking about this before recording. Goff had a limited practice on Tuesday. According to the coach quotes, which I don't know how much you can trust Dan Campbell's quotes in terms of player injuries and availability, although I think his track record so far has been that he's been pretty straightforward on that type of stuff regarding uh, Swift earlier in the season and whatnot. Uh, he's usually been more pessimistic uh, on guys' injuries, meaning that if he says a guy's 50-50, it might actually mean the guy's better off than that. So I think that Goff is probably like a 65% chance to play at this point. They're calling him uh, possibly a game-time decision, although we'll get a lot more clarity on this Wednesday uh, after practice reports come out. We're recording this, obviously, Tuesday night here, overnight Tuesday. But, um, you know, in terms of this matchup overall, Sleepy, you know, we have David Montgomery coming back for the Bears. He's he's had now all of his numbers increase in his second game uh, back across the board. Played 95% of the snaps in Week 11. Got 74% of the team's running back rush attempts. Played 100% of the two-minute offense. So he's the workhorse running back for the Bears, undisputed, without question there. Darnell Mooney coming off a season high, 16 targets for the Bears, and with Andy Dalton under center going up against the Lions secondary that ranks dead last across almost any single metric you want to put it up against. I mean, we we do like a basically like a combined average in terms of PFF coverage grade, uh, football outsiders, pass defense, DVOA grade, right? So they rank 32nd dead last in PFF coverage grade. They rank 28th out of 32 teams in their past pass DVOA defense from football outsiders. That's basically like a pass defense net grade of 30th overall, which is very bad, obviously. Uh, so I want to upgrade the entire Chicago passing attack, even though you know me as a, ba- a former Bengals fans, I'm not the biggest fan of Dalton, but it, it's just a cake matchup here 
for the Bears passing attack. As long as Mooney comes into this game healthy, uh, he's listed as questionable on the injury report with a foot injury right now, although he did get in a limited practice Tuesday. And as long as we don't hear any reports about him being limited at all on Wednesday, I think we should be good to go firing Darnell Mooney up, especially the fact that Allen Robinson did not practice today. Uh, Allen Robinson being out of this offense means that I all almost all the targets are going to funnel to Darnell Mooney. I don't think the Lions have a single defensive back that can hang with him in this game. And I don't know if they're going to necessarily try to game plan their way around bracketing him or double covering him or anything like that. So, you know, not just a season high 16 targets that I mentioned, that was a career high for him last week. Uh, he leads Chicago sleepy and targets catches and yards on throws from Dalton. So when Dalton is playing, Mooney leads the team across the boards and all those metrics. Last thing I'll add on Darnell Mooney, you know, I like his over on receiving yards, although I'm waiting to hear what the Wednesday injury report news is that comes out on him last week, man, I was burned really bad on a couple of like late injury news. Uh, my favorite play of the week last week was on Bateman. And uh, even though Lamar had missed practice with an illness, we've seen him do that like five times this year. Uh, Lamar wound up being a late scratch. And so did Amari Cooper uh, with, with the Cowboys, which, you know, threw off my Dalton Schultz under prop. So losing both those for me last week, usually you're able to kind of gauge these injuries early in the week, but now they're on such a short, tight window before Thursday. I want to give it a day before I make my official play. But if all words come out that Mooney is okay, and Goff is looking like more to play than Boyle, then I definitely like Mooney over on his receiving yards at 56 and a half. I think that given the situation and circumstances going into this matchup, he's he could easily get 100 plus yards again. Uh, and I, I think my projections with that have him around 75 to 80 yards at the moment. I don't know how much I'm going to adjust that unless Tim Boyle winds up getting the start and maybe I adjust the Bears' passing volume down because I don't know if Boyle can even keep up and be competitive in that matchup. Uh, so that, that's where I'm looking right now is Darnell Mooney with the plus matchup there. Um, with the Bears, Dave Montgomery has a really good matchup, although his prop line or his pl- prop lines are set pretty high uh, at the moment uh, with Dave Montgomery. 77.5 is a pretty high number. I don't know if I want to cross that barrier, especially if you're on the other side saying you think the Lions will be competitive with Jared Goff under center. You know, Montgomery has a good matchup, but 77 and a half for a player like him on an offense like that. I don't know if that's if it's that, you know, if if there's really an edge for us to hit that over there. So that's kind of where I'm at with the Bears offense, Sleepy. Uh, There are a couple guys on the Lions side that I do like as well. But I want to see, you know, what your thoughts overall were on, on Chicago with Andy Dalton under center. You know, do you feel the same way about Mooney? Do you think it's going to be an upgrade or downgrade for them compared to what they had to Justin Fields? My gut feeling says that that there's a good chance that Mooney gets very similar production, but I was thinking more of Marquise Goodwin. And the reason being is that we know Allen Robinson's the one. We know that Mooney's the two. And it's like, well, who works with Dalton quite a bit? Well, probably Marquise Goodwin is probably one of the guys that's worked, you know, with Andy Dalton probably more than any of these wide receivers, believe it or not. And, I mean, we know that that guy at one time was very good, and he had a really good week last week. He had eight targets, four catches, 104 yards. So I'm looking at his over 38 and a half. I feel pretty good about that. But, you know, going back to, you know, just talking about Mooney, Chris, he had 16 targets last week. 
you're you're going to be hard pressed to find any receiver in the league that got 16 targets in one game, especially off of you know just 34 pass attempts. I mean that dude had basically half the throws thrown to him. So um, I don't know how you can go ahead and fade that either. But I think Marquise Goodwin, at least, you know, with that type of production, if you're going to give me, you know, maybe eight to 10 targets and look, if Mooney's out or if he is somewhat limited and um, hobbled in this game, well, then maybe it flips. Maybe it's Goodwin that gets all the uh, gets all the attention from Andy Dalton here. And I think that there's a good chance that that might happen. So I'm looking at him also in a touchdown prop at plus 360. You know, it's it's not often that your number two wide receiver um, is, you know, is, is close to four to one uh, to score a touchdown. Now, maybe in this particular offense, being that it's Andy Dalton, it's the Bears, and maybe that's the case. But I think there will be enough production for Goodwin to at, at least go ahead and cash me the yardage prop, which is 38 and a half right now uh, over here on DraftKings. But I want to play him in a touchdown prop and go ahead and get him up to plus 360. Now, that is on DraftKings. Uh, I haven't looked at FanDuel to see if I could get a higher number. Uh, but that's what I'm looking at right now, Chris. I don't, I don't dislike really, you know, anything with Mooney or, or Goodwin at all, really. Yeah, the the main reason for me with Mooney, and, and obviously, like I said, I'm being careful because of that late injury news that burnt me last week. On a normal week, if I if that hadn't happened to me last week, I'd be probably have already made a best bet on Mooney. But I just want to see that he's okay, and the fact that we haven't had much steam on his numbers since the lines came out makes me really like this as well. I, I think you have to look at another fact that I have here under my notes. It's on our player props cheat sheet, which will be out sometime Wednesday here. Is obviously we all know Darnell Mooney's a burner, right? He, ha- he has really top-end speed, you know, less uh, a, su- uh, a sub 4.440 yard dash time. And Detroit's secondary, as bad as they are, as I, as I said earlier, they're also allowing the league's eighth most 20-plus yards completions. They've allowed 38 20 plus yard completion so far this year. Uh, Darnell Mooney's over longest reception prop 21 and a half is juiced to the over minus 125 on DraftKings. But given the volume, like you said, you know, you're hard pressed to even find Tyreek Hiller, Devontae Adams getting 16 targets once, maybe or twice a month, let alone in a single game. You know, Mooney is the guy. There is going to be no Robinson. He missed practice again on Tuesday. So you know, Mooney, even given that, like given the different QBs, given Allen Robinson being in and out, he still had at least five targets in every single game this season. And as much as I've hated on Andy Dalton in the past, you know, I don't think Andy Dalton's a downgrade passing wise from Justin Fields. I would rather have a Justin Fields under center. If I'm a Bears fan, he's the future of the franchise. He has the most upside. He's learning still. But the fact is, is that Justin Fields last week off the bye he was really struggling in that Ravens game, and they came out very blitz-heavy as they've been all year. Justin Fields was 4 for 11 for 79 yards when he got hurt in that game, was averaging 7.2 yards per attempt. Andy Dalton was averaging 8.7 yards per attempt by the end of the game. You know, Mooney obviously had a big catch and run that added to that, um, but he also hit Goodwin down the field, and, and that was a very clutch throw that he made there too. So uh, I don't mind Mooney as a DFS play. I don't think he'll come in with that high ownership. Uh, I just think that if I'm looking at the props here, I think Mooney's the clear alpha wide receiver one on this team. And the fact that he's only 56 and a half given this matchup and Goodwin's 38 and a half, I'm thinking that if I was setting the line, I'd probably set him at least 20 
maybe 25 yards apart. I think there's that big of a difference in their roles here. So I like, I like both as a stack. Like I think you could stack Dalton with uh, Mooney and uh, Goodwin, and then maybe consider bringing it back on the other side with Amon Ross St. Brown or a DeAndre Swift. So that that's where I want to target. David Montgomery almost seems like too easy of a play. I think he's going to come in super chalky. And I, I, I just don't know. Uh, I think the Lions, if anything, will try to you know, sell out to stop the run in this game, given Dan Campbell's history and his track record there. So, you know, these are two teams that rank in the bottom uh, 10 in the league in their pass rate over expectations. So both these teams like to hand the ball off at a very high rate. You know, we've seen DeAndre Swift crack like 30 carries in, in his last two games or eclipse 100 plus rushing yards on the ground. Uh, and we've seen a slight advantage here for Detroit's run blocking as well as Chicago's run blocking. So, you know, I could see big games for both these running backs. Again, I think the line is more exploitable for Mooney than it is for Montgomery at this point. Uh, and the last note I'll make here, Sleepy, is another place that I'm looking, although the juice is a little bit too expensive for my taste at the moment, is TJ Hawkinson under four and a half catches right now is juiced to minus 150. Uh, you know, I, I just can't play a minus 150 prop when I think the line is set about right. Although I would lean under if it was just normal VIG at minus 110, minus 115, given that Chicago is top four in the NFL in defending number one tight ends in terms of their DVOA grade by football outsider. So I have a red circle around Hawkinson for downgrading him in this matchup. And I have green circles for upgrading matchups for Chicago's entire passing attack for Montgomery, for Swift, and also for Detroit's outside receivers. I think guys like Khalil Raymond, Amon Ross St. Brown could have really big games in this matchup here, although I'm only seeing the line for Amon Ross St. Brown at 31 and a half, uh, I definitely would take that over as well. So still working my way through my official bets on this game, but those are all the guys that I like jumping off the board, especially Amon Ross St. Brown. He's almost become their number one receiver in that offense. And as long as Jared Goff starts, you know, I'm going to wait until we get the word on that as well. Uh, but Amon Ross St. Brown with Jared Goff starting against a, a beatable Chicago secondary, 31 and a half, that number is just way too low in my opinion. I think the fact that Goff has actually practiced um, is a really positive sign. You know, it's just coming from a coach who, you know, bites off kneecaps and puts babies in headlocks and stuff like that. It's like, you know, if you if you got a boo-boo dude, you're, uh, you're playing. And the fact that Goff actually had practiced is telling me that there's a really good chance that he's going to actually play. Because if he was hurt, um, I don't think he would be out there probably practicing, you know, on a Monday, Chris. I can understand it's like, oh, hey, you know, he's uh, limited, you know, on a Wednesday and, and a partial participant on a Thursday or something like that. But it was like, no, dude, like he was out there going uh, on a Monday, you know, whatever, uh, if he was limited or whatever, walked through whatever. The fact that he was out there is telling me, uh, you know, it's telling me that 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 he's going to play. And look, I think Detroit, you know, at some point, you know, they haven't won a game this season, Chris. Like, if they wanted to shut down Goff, big deal. Shut him down. But the fact that, that you know, that, that he went out there and he practiced today, um, it's telling me, like, look, like, they're not looking to shut it down for the season. They're still trying to win games. They want to get, you know, they don't want to end up going into, you know, next year with without a win on their, you know, resume. So um, I'm, I'm optimistic here that, that Goff probably plays. All right, let's jump over to the game that I like the least this week, and that's the Raiders and the Cowboys. 
Uh, Cowboys right now minus seven and a half. We have a total of 51 in this game. I don't know what to do for this one. I was looking at a lot of these lines here, Chris, uh, with the quarterbacks and the running backs, and I was just kind of a little bit stuck here on what to do. I'm going to throw it over to you first, see what you think, see if you you know bring up anything that kind of makes me uh, you know maybe excited about any of these props. But right now, uh, I think a lot of these lines are sitting about right, but this is the game I like the least, and it's the game I looked at the least as of right now. So hopefully you'll say something that triggers me, and uh, I can find something to go in and wager on. What do you think about the Raiders and Cowboys? Yeah, this one's tough, man. You know, Zeke Elliott left that game early in week 11 against the Chiefs, came back in, but was clearly hobbled throughout the game. We saw some extended run from Tony Pollard there in the second half. Um, I don't know. Like, you know, one of the, one of the props I hit in that game, I, I missed a couple again because I had the under on Dalton Schultz. He almost went under given the fact that Cooper wind up getting ruled out late in the week and Lamb got hurt at halftime. So he was clearly on his way to cashing that under ticket until Lamb banged his head up right at halftime. And then it was basically like the Cowboys were down to Gallup and Schultz, even though Zeke Elliott uh, out there, it was just a perfect storm of injuries that killed that bet. Um, But I think Schultz has a great matchup on paper going up against a Raiders secondary. That's been really good at stopping wide receivers, but have funneled a lot of targets to the tight end position. Uh, on the, on the flip side, the, the Cowboys defense have done very similar things. They have above average defensive backs across the board. Obviously, we know what Trayvon Diggs has been able to do with some splash interception plays this year. Darren Waller has a plus matchup on paper too, although it's tough, man, because I, I think that the books have kind of recognized these things accordingly. And we're seeing Schultz's line, uh, you know, up at 50 and a half. We're seeing Waller's line up at 71 and a half. And I just don't know if we're getting an edge there on, on playing those numbers over necessarily. So for me, that that's kind of what I'm thinking overall in this game. You know, I'm looking at a guy like a Brian Edwards. You know, he's been really boomer bust this year. Uh, I have a downgrade for him given that Dallas is number one in the NFL in shutting down opposing wide receiver ones. And when you look at the way the Raiders offense is constructed, Hunter Renfro runs the slot. And so does Darren Waller for the most part lining up in seam. So, you know, de- you know, in terms of shutting down wide receiver ones, that we're talking about the outside wide receiver, and that's going to be some combination of Brian Edwards, Deshaun Jackson, and Zay-, and Zay Jones. But you know, the books have lowered Edwards' line all the way down to thirty-two and a half. So it's just, you know, obviously he could he could just have one catch and beat that number. Uh, you know, that kind of worries me. That you know, if, if this number was in the mid forties or fifty. I'd be definitely playing the under without hesitation there. Uh, But again, I do have a downgrade for Edwards. I do have upgrades for Waller and Schultz given the matchup here. Um, Another upgrade that we have is Dallas's run blocking. I mean, we saw what Joe Mixon last week for the Bengals was able to do in Las Vegas on the road. And now we have, you know, PFF's run blocking unit. Number one overall is the Dallas Cowboys on the season. Whereas the Raiders run defense grades at it about average middle of the pack, maybe slightly below average this year. Um, Dallas's offensive line has a plus 12 net rating advantage, according to establish the runs offensive line, defensive line ranking. So, um, you know, the question is like, how healthy is Zeke? I mean, look, I was messing around with my fantasy rankings. I haven't released them yet. They're going to come out sometime Wednesday here. By the time you're listening to this, they should be live. I'll put out a tweet for it, but, uh, sleepy, you know, you, you tell me if you think I'm wrong here, but let's say hypothetically, if, if Zeke was shut down in a short week. 
Uh, I would probably have Tony Pollard as like a top three or four running back in fantasy. If he was getting all the work to himself in that backfield with the offensive line advantage against a subpar run defense in the Raiders, I mean, Tony Pollard would be an absolute smash play in all formats, but it's unfortunate because like Zeke's going to play through the injury. They're paying, they're paying him so much. They feel like they got to play him no matter what. And it kind of just muddies things up because these guys could truly split 50, 50, given that Zeke's not a hundred percent. So I know I'm kind of running around in circles here with this, but it just all goes to say that I'm kind of with you. It's like, I don't know if there's anything on the board as of now in this game that I'm just kind of jumping, you know, chomping at the bit to play here. Uh, You know, both these quarterbacks have struggled a lot uh, and the books have kind of taken notice. Like, you know, we're not used to seeing Dak Dak Prescott's passing yards line set at 258 and a half uh, or Derek Carr's passing yard line set in like the you know, low to mid 260s. If I had to look one way or the other, I'd probably look towards Derek Carr's passing under compared to anything else. Uh, But that's kind of where I'm at overall as a whole here. Uh, You know, I do like Gallup a lot, although, you know, the the Raiders have been very successful in defending perimeter wide receivers. And we saw T Higgins and Jamar Chase, even though the Bengals won by 20 points last week, they both had down games yardage wise. So I'm not just going to run and play Gallup because he's the only receiver left. I mean, for sure in DFS, he has the ceiling. Uh, but, you know, that that kind of worries me here. So we have two bad run defenses. You know, Josh Jacobs could have a good day on the ground. Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard could have a good day on the ground. Uh, but how is the game strip going to play out? Will the quarterbacks try to get right? These are all questions I'm kind of going through as I'm breaking down all the information for this game. So I don't know, man. That's, that's, just, uh, that's just where I'm at right now. No, no official plays for me yet, but those are all the areas I'm looking at as, as a Tuesday night here. All right, so I got one question for you, and then uh, I guess I'll touch on the Pollard thing first. So what happened to Brian Edwards last week? Like, he wasn't even in the box score as far as receiving. Any idea, like, where the hell he was at? So so this is what's going on, and and this is why that I'm not making – I haven't made a play either way, but if I had to bet Brian Edwards, even though I think the line has been, you know, set really low for a purpose, like, in, you know, intentionally by the books, I would I would still have to lean under if I had to pick a side. But, but basically, Edwards can't get open in man coverage. He is not getting open. You look at the, op- like, receiver win rates on PFF and Football Outsiders and other places that get out, give out those metrics um, – Edward, this is according to uh, uh, Dwayne McFarland from PFF, who, who ba- breaks down this stuff in his utilization report column every week. Edwards was open on only 17% of single-man coverage looks in week 11 and is at 27% on the season. Those are very bad rates for a wide receiver. The problem with this is that they don't have a per- – now that Ruggs is gone, they don't have a perimeter receiver who can get open on single-man coverage. And the problem for that is that – their two best weapons, Waller and Renfro, you can cover them easily if you're not worried about anyone beating you over the top. So Waller and Renfro both saw help or double coverage on more than 25% of their snaps in week 11. That's why we saw a really down game from Hunter Renfro. So you're going to see this trickle down. The fact that we don't have rugs beating safeties over the top, there is no threat anymore to go deep for the Raiders and I think that's why they're really trying desperately to get either Zay Jones or Deshaun Jackson involved in this offense to see if, especially Deshaun Jackson, can he be the one that helps, you know, garner respect from opposing safeties on the teams that they're playing here. Uh, last note on that, Deshaun Jackson was only, he only ran 10 routes in week 11, 
but he actually drew double coverage or help coverage on 60%, six of the 10 routes he was on the field. And that actually helped open things up for Darren Waller to get some of his big plays. Uh, you know, that was only his second game of the entire year, getting a hundred plus yards. That was his first game doing that since week one. So if the Raiders can't figure out a way to get to successfully get Deshaun Jackson involved, you know, beating safeties down the field and giving letting pressure get off of Waller and Renfro in the slot, then they're going to continue to be in big trouble on offense. So uh, I don't know if Deshaun Jackson can do that consistently at this point of his career, but that's the problem with the Raiders offense right now. And although they have a good matchup in terms of their run game on paper, uh, game script might make them might force them to have to go to the air early in this game. Cause I think the Cowboys will have a bounce back game offensively against, against Las Vegas. You said a lot of interesting things as you were going through the second half there. Uh, what about Josh Jacobs over his rushing and receiving yards? Last week, nine carries, 37 yards, seven targets, five catches, 24 yards. Um, you know, you're talking about a guy like Brian Edwards who can't get open. Um, you have to wonder if – you got to wonder if Josh Jacobs can get over that. And the reason I say that is go back to last week where – the Raiders, and this is kind of interesting, is like, Chris, they only ran like 40-some plays in the game. And I just wonder against somebody like Dallas who, you know, you, even though you might find yourself in a negative game script, um, I know Dallas's defense has been better, but I don't think that they're – I don't think they're elite, you know, in, uh, in stopping a run or, or defending the pass. Like, I wonder if right now this is a week where it's like, let's – get to our horses, you know what I mean? Let's get to Wall, let's get to Renfro, let's get to, to Jacobs, and let's stop trying to figure out, you know, if we need to mix in uh, Damari Bird or uh, Deshaun Jackson in the run game and stuff like that. Like, they need to get back to basics, and I think it's, you know, get their big dogs involved. I would maybe think about maybe uh, Jacobs over and maybe even a Jacobs touchdown prop two at, uh, at plus 130. I think that there's there's a chance with that. As far as going back to um, to your comment about Pollard and Zeke, Chris is like, I would consider maybe maybe playing Pollard over because look, if if Zeke comes in here and he's not a hundred percent, you know Pollard's going to he's going to get a ton of production, and I would look at him as a DFS option too. What what are Pollard's normal numbers, Chris? Like, what would a normal rushing um, line for him be? on any other, you know, any normal week. I mean, you're, you're usually seeing his rushing line set in like the high thirties. I mean, uh, last week he had seven carries for 50 yards. I mean, he's averaging 5.5 yards per carry on the whole for the year, which is very good, obviously, but you know, albeit on a limited workload, but you know, he's had 42 plus rushing yards in each of the last two weeks. Both of those are weeks where they were either blowing the team out or Zeke was missing time. Uh, so the only worry for you here is that, you know, what if what if they just give Zeke the full workload? He's like, hey, I'm good to go. I would hope that they don't do that, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that that happens. I would lean over for Pollard either way. Um, one of the props, Sleepy, that we hit last week on this game was Tony Pollard. Now, I do, I do lean over to this prop as well in this game is Tony Pollard over 14 and a half receiving yards. Uh, he's had 20-plus receiving yards in five of the last six weeks. Uh, and typically, he only needs two catches to get it. So he's averaging nine yards per catch on the year. Uh, last week, I wrote up that I, was, I said that, you know, Pollard 
basically the books were saying he was going to get two catches because the over one and a half catches was like minus 170 and the under two and a half catches was plus money uh, was like minus 150 I think so they're basically saying hey Pollard's going to get two catches well if you're saying Pollard's going to get two catches which he got exactly two catches uh, that means he should be lined at about 16 and a half or 17 and a half yards but the line is at 14 and a half I think given the fact that Zeke's still a little banged up uh I think that's definitely a beatable number for Pollard. The only time he didn't hit this prop sleepy was when they started Cooper Rush. So now you can say that going with the Cowboys in the last five games Prescott started, uh, Pollard has had 20-plus receiving yards in five straight games with Dak starting under center. So I think that that's a prop that working through everything that like I've had on my list since last week since we hit that. Um, you know, Again, I'm waiting to hear what Wednesday's practice reports say on Zeke, but I think either way, you can kind of comfortably lean over to Pollard in that spot. There's a lot, you know, there's ways, obviously, for him to not get there. If, let's say, the Dallas jumps out to a huge lead, their defense makes the most of the matchup, and they don't have to throw to the running backs at all, then, yeah, you know, you could see him not cash this. But given everything we've seen over the last month plus, uh, you know, I think Pollard's receiving line should be set closer to Zeke's, which is 18 and a half at the moment. Uh, but 14 and a half, again, he – he could do this on one catch. He's had multiple games with one catch where he beats this prop line. He had one catch three weeks ago for 32 yards. So he's explosive in the screen game, catch a swing pass out of the backfield. He could beat one defender and break a 15 yard gain. So I I do like that compared to everything else we're seeing on the board right now. Yeah. I would probably play his over rushing. I think a lot of that has to do with, well, game script, you know, if Dallas is up by 14 and, and Zeke is, Let's just say he's went out there and he did his job or, you know, even if it was a 50-50 at the end of the game, they're going to give the ball to Pollard. Why are you going to have your guy who's dinged up and went out there and kind of, you know, did what he asked him to do um, later on in the game? And look, if Zeke, if Zeke gets ruled out or let's just say he's, uh, you know, highly questionable in a game time decision, Pollard's stat line has to go through the roof at that point. Um, I just, I can't, I can't envision Zeke being a hundred percent going into the, into this particular game, especially on a short week. So um, it doesn't make any sense to me. I think that you got to play Pollard over his, uh, over his rushing yards for sure. And the receiving yards, I, you know, I, I don't an opinion against it. That's for sure. I'm in a situation sleepy where I got Pollard and the guy I'm going up against, we're both six and five. We're both tied for the last playoff spot, my home league. He has Zeke Elliott. I've got Pollard on my bench. I haven't started him once all year. But I have uh, a couple guys hurt, and my ru- I'm starting A.J. Dillon because I had Aaron Jones, but my other two running backs slash flex spots are Antonio Gibson and Elijah Mitchell. And Mitchell's we don't know what his status is going to be yet. He could play, he could not play. It's probably 50-50 at this point early in the week. You know, Gibson has been, you know, his usage has been good the last couple weeks off the bye, but his matchup isn't the greatest against Seattle, which has been decent against the run lately. So, my thought is, is like, hey, like maybe I just go big on Thursday and leverage uh, the guy playing Zeke and I just throw Tony Pollard in there with, and get the upside of that potential matchup like you talked about. So I'm struggling where I want to rank Pollard. If I trust my rankings, I probably won't play him over Mitchell and Gibson because I'll probably have Mitchell and Gibson somewhere around the high teens, low 20s in the rankings where I just can't figure out a way if Zeke plays and he's healthy. I can't figure out a way to get Pollard above RB25. I'll have him as like a high-end RB3, solid flex play, 
Right now, as of my initial rankings, I've got Pollard RB28. I have Zeke Elliott RB12. Um, Josh Jacobs, I have RB20. Maybe I'll move Jacobs up a little bit. I mean, he's been, he's been, uh, he had a career high in targets, I believe, last week, seven targets. So he's another guy where I think there is value on Josh Jacobs uh, in his, not the receiving yards prop, because he hasn't been getting much yards after the catch on his receptions. But uh, Josh Jacobs, last point I'll make here is that his targets have increased for five straight weeks. And in the last three games, Jacob has caught, Jacobs has caught 14 of 16 targets. And he had his highest snap percentage last week since week five, played close to 67%, so almost two-thirds of the snaps, ran almost two-thirds of the routes. Um, Jalen Rashard did not play, so he got a little boost in the passing game there. Uh, but I will keep my – if Jalen Rashard, you know, doesn't seem like a major thing, but if Jalen Rashard gets ruled out, I would definitely consider their – value to be on Josh Jacobs over in his receptions because you can get the receptions over three and a half at plus money. I'd rather play that than go to his receiving yardage, which is 21 and a half. So I think there could be value there if Richard is ruled out because if Richard's ruled out, that means Josh Jacobs might handle almost all the two minute offense and no huddle snaps, uh, which could really increase the chances for him catching some dump down passes in this game. That's kind of my last note there for the Raiders. All right, good stuff on that game, Chris. Let's jump over to our final Thanksgiving Day game that it will be in the game between uh, the Buffalo Bills and the New Orleans Saints. Current line in this game right now has the Saints uh, as a plus six home underdog and a total of 45. Interesting game. I like the under in this one. I think both teams coming off of 40-point blowout losses uh, is going to perk up the defenses in this game. I have Trevor Simeon on one side, and um, it was only a matter of time before Trevor Simeon actually showed up. And, and give the guy credit, you know, for the first couple of weeks he stepped in there. He actually played, you know, rather well. I mean, I think he got, what, one win and maybe two losses or something like that. But um, I think there's a different animal going up against Buffalo's defense here. Uh, off of a 40-point loss. Here's the problem with me with with Buffalo, Chris, is they're trying to feed too many mouths. You know, the first thing I was going to ask you was about the running back situation. Like, you got Zach Moss, you got Devin Singletary, and now you have Matt Breida. Matt Breida got more touches last week than the two guys that have been there. And it was like, well, Zach Moss was the one. Now he's like the three. It's like, well, what the hell are they doing with that situation? And then you look at at the wide receiver option, and it's like, where the whole, where the hell did Cole Beasley go? Like, dude was out there getting, you know, 10, 12 targets, and it was like, now he's not being targeted anymore. It's like, oh, now you got Diggs, and you got uh, Gabriel Davis, and you got, you know, Emmanuel Sanders and Dawson Knox, and, you know, let's try to get Isaiah McKenzie in and get, let's get Devin Singletary mixed in here. It was like, what are they doing? You know, they just, they're trying to feed too many mouths. It seems like they, they lost control of, um, you know, who they are, what their identity is. So I don't know how the Bills score in this game um, either, to be honest, which I think is an extremely low-scoring game. Uh, under 45, love that actual play. Uh, as far as some of the props are concerned, Chris, that's why I wanted to ask you about the running backs because um, I see Breida in the touchdown prop at like plus 360. I'm like, mm, that's kind of juicy. I wonder if he gets all these touches. Um, but I, I, I don't think I know, and I don't even think the Bills know. So... I'm going to let you rip a run on this one first here, Chris. I would probably side to a bunch of unders in this game. 
The only under that actually scares me on playing that I see right now on the board is playing Josh Allen under the 274 and a half passing yards. And the reason being is that the Saints rush defense was gashed last week. Like there's no way that's going to happen again. And I don't think the Bills have a running back right now. And, and, and I'll say this right now. The Bills don't have a running back right now that they can count on when it becomes crunch time in the playoffs. And that's what's going to derail this team if they do make it to the playoffs. Um, they're not going to be able to advance because they have no idea what the hell is going on right now uh, with the running back committee. I think maybe they're trying to figure it out, scramble mode. But um, it, it's a big concern for me right now with this particular team. So uh, Bills, and, Bills and Saints, Chris, and the reason I was saying that that was what worried me with Allen was playing the under is because I have a feeling that there's a chance that he might actually have to throw a lot in this game. So I just have a lot of thoughts going on with this particular game, but everything that I see says under, 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 and maybe look at a lot of these player props under as well. So that that's where I'm at. I don't know where you're at, but how are you feeling about the bills and saints? Well, I'm with you hundred percent on the unders. I've given out two best bet props so far. The only actually two best bet props I've given out so far for Thanksgiving are on this game and they're both unders. And one is on Zach Moss under 39 and a half rushing receiving yards. Now you listen to this, you know, even by the time we're recording this now, that line has already dropped four yards. Although, although I do lean strongly to the under 35 and a half that you can still find uh, let me see. I believe that is you can get that at Twin Spires, Barstool, about four different books right now. None of the major books have this lineup anymore. A lot of them took it down, but I assume they're going to relist it very soon. Um, Zach Moss, as you said, like Matt Breida was, you know, the most he's been the most efficient back over the last couple of weeks. And this whole situation has devolved into a, a four man committee at running back because, yes, I am counting Josh Allen as a running back because he does, you know, he's in the, he's in the top of the league in terms of design rushing attempts amongst quarterbacks in the NFL. So you have Josh Allen running the ball. Now you have Brita, you have Moss, you have Singletary. And and what are you getting in, in week 12 here? Well, you're getting a matchup against the number two overall run defense in the league. According to PFF's run, def, run defense grade, you're getting the number one overall run DVOA defensive grade, according to football outsiders. So this is an elite matchup for the Saints run defense. They're plus 20 net rating over the Bills, which have the 22nd ranked PFF run blocking grade. So I'm taking, you know, the run defense grade of the Saints, number two, the the Bills run blocking grade, number 22, that gives the Saints a plus 20 net rating in their run defense, right? On the flip side, uh, you can throw against the Saints, although they do have Lattimore. Yes, I know that. Although he he has not covered, he has not shadow covered every single game this year. Even a couple of weeks ago when they played the Titans, you know, AJ Brown had a down game. But you actually look at the underlying data in that game. Marshawn Lattimore did not shadow AJ Brown for most of that game. Um, what I will say is that the Bills have a plus eighteen pass blocking advantage. Uh, the Saints actually have a bottom five pass rush grade. Uh, according to PFF in the NFL, whereas the Bills pass blocking is top 10. So, you know, huge defense for the a huge advantage for the Saints run defense, huge advantage for the Bills pass blocking. What does that mean? I think Josh Allen's going to drop back the throw a ton in this game. Uh, but I think that he's going to have to pick and choose where he throws the ball to. And I think a lot of those targets are going to get funneled to the slot 
and short intermediate areas areas of the field because the Saints do cover the outside boundary receivers pretty well. Uh, I do think that Cole Beasley should have a nice bounce back spot here. <clears throat> I also believe, <clears throat> excuse me, I also believe that Stephon Diggs, who plays a decent amount of snaps out of the slot as well, should have a nice game. He's the perfect type of receiver with his route running skills that can take advantage of Lattimore, who uses more of his size against more physical receivers. I don't think Lattimore can defend Diggs well in this matchup. So I see a plus matchup for Diggs, plus matchup for Beasley. Uh, whereas I see downgrades for Dawson Knox, uh, the Saints are top five in the league at covering tight ends. And they're one of the best uh, teams in terms of limiting the deep ball, which is basically all the routes that Emmanuel Sanders runs. So that's one of the other props that I like was Emmanuel Sanders under 50 and a half. And although again, like, Sanders is going to be out there running a lot of routes, but the fact is that Sanders is averaging less than 30 yards per game over his last four games. This line has been steamed down to 45 and a half. I still would lean under at that number. And although Beasley has 33 yards or fewer in three straight games himself, again, the Saints funnel targets to the slot and to the tight end position. So, you know, Knox is like on paper, the matchup looks bad, but it's possible he could have a decent game, which is why I'm not playing Knox's under. Um, but th- those are the areas I'm looking overall. Um, again, under for Sanders at uh, 50 and a half, probably play it down to 45 and a half. Under on the Zach Moss rush plus receiving, 39 and a half, would play that down to about 35 and a half where it is now. Um, I just can't play any overs in this game, Sleepy. Even like I'm, I'm considering playing Traquan Smith under uh, because the Buffalo Bills are basically allowing the league's fewest fantasy points to wide receivers. And the where Smith lines up on the field, he could see a ton of Tredavious White in this game. Uh, one of the pro, one of the unders we hit last week was Michael Pittman. I think it was under sixty five and a half. Wound up finishing with twenty three yards. Although you know, I, I get it. The Colts didn't have to throw much in that game because they were winning by so much. But uh, I just don't know if Smith can get there against a guy like White in this type of matchup here. Maybe on the flip side, you could play Marquez Callaway under his receiving yards as well. He's a guy that hasn't topped 40 yards sleepy since week five. You know, if, if Marquez Callaway has a downgrade in his matchup against the Bills here, he hasn't topped 40 yards since week five, then why wouldn't we play his under 36 and a half? So I, I think that, you know, given everything interesting, that's Smith with the routes run, with the snaps, with the targets over the last couple of weeks, he's been the clear number one receiver in this offense, but it's interesting to me that the books have him 37 and a half and they have Callaway 36 and a half. I, th- those guys should be like 10 yards apart in their lines. Uh, so if I had to play one under, I'd probably go Callaway under here uh, out of these two guys. But I, I agree with you. Like that's where you need to be looking across the board is unders for this game. And at least to me, those are the, the top areas where I'm looking for, for unders. And then, and then rushing wise, I think, you know, you, you may, maybe it wouldn't be a bad bet to throw a pizza bet, you know, half unit each on Singletary and Moss, both to go under their rushing yards. But I think the books have properly adjusted those down to where it's like, you know, maybe if these were set at 30, you'd get some value, but 24 and a half, 21 and a half, I'm not really liking uh, what I'm seeing there. So I'm going to pivot to the receivers and probably trying to attack their unders more in this game as a whole. You know, the only receiver that I actually like over the total is Beasley. And I think that if you look at what, you know, the Bills have done. They've lost, what, three out of their last five games. Uh, yeah, they beat the Jets, big deal. Yeah, they beat Miami, big deal. But um, the Miami game was the competitive win 
um, that they had. And that was the game in which Beasley had 13 targets. He had 10 catches. So, you know, they've struggled in three of the games against uh, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, and Tennessee, where uh, I didn't think that, like, especially the last two games, like, you got to get your, you got to get that guy the ball. Like, I felt like, again, it's too many mouths to feed. It's like, you know, go back to, you know, where we were just talking about the Cowboy game. Like, it's like, you know, get your big dogs, get, get them guys the ball. You know, the guys that got you here, get them the ball. Stop trying to be cute. And I think if, if the Bills, you know, if they avoid being cute, it's get it to Diggs, get it to Beasley, and just leave it, let Josh Allen run. You know, you, you'll be all right. You know, they'll, they'll figure it out. So um, that's really the only over I like in the game, Chris, is probably Beasley over. I think he has a big rebounding effort here. And uh, hopefully we have a good effort here, Chris. You know, and uh, I'd just like to say thank you uh, to everybody who listens to the podcast. And hopefully you guys have a have a happy and f- fruitful Thanksgiving Day holiday. As I had mentioned, Chris and I will go ahead. We'll, we'll figure out what day we're going to do our money picks pod for the rest of the card. Uh, but that's it for this one. I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck. You guys know where to find us on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame at MadJournalist. You guys could always find us at thebettingpredators.com and at pregame.com. I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck on Thanksgiving. Enjoy the games.